welcome to the Bob Priest Show of Life podcast. I'm your host, Bob Priest. Thanks for tuning in today's show. This podcast is dedicated to individuals and professionals who desire to learn more about the subject of health and wellness, as well as alternative technologies to better health and vitality. Let's get started. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Bob Priest Show of Life podcast. I'm your host, Bob Priest. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. In last week's show, I discussed eating disorders, understanding, treatment, and recovery, and the breaking down of the devastating effects of these disorders. Today, I'm excited to have with me Taylor Angelis, who is a certified holistic nutritionist and registered orthomolecular practitioner. That's a lot of words, Taylor. It is. <laughs> Welcome to the show today. How Thank are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk health with you. Oh, I am too. I've I've been fascinated since we met and hearing your story and talking about this devastating disorder that you went through as a young person and, and the journey that you had to go through to find your answers. And so um, tell me a little bit, um, what actually is a holistic nutritionist and a registered practitioner that we just mentioned? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so my my education is through the Institute of Holistic Nutrition here in Toronto, Canada. Um, basically what a holistic or holistic practitioner is, is I'm educated in alternative medicine. So I don't use mainstream prescription drugs, um, or things that are found in Western medicine, quote unquote. Um, I believe that nutrition is all encompassing. So health is not only a physical diet, but mind, body, soul, well-being, and what nourishes those things as well. So that's where the holistic side comes into it. Yeah, I really, I really like that definition. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm quite a bit older than you. I'm probably like your grandfather's age. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're quite a bit different. So I grew up under this Western medicine mentality uh, that, you know, here's, here's what's going on. But typically, what seemed to happen in my uh, situations, there's always a pill was thrown at it. And, Absolutely. and as I've grown older, and as I've maybe become wiser, I've started realizing that there's so many other alternatives. And, and, and also in my understanding the body more, uh, our body's made to heal itself. And uh, you know, if we if we feed it right, if we yes, Put the right nutrients and the right things into our body it's made to heal itself so i find it fascinating that it's taken me longer than you but there's been there was a devastating situation in your life that uh kind of pushed you into this it wasn't there yes yeah i went through a whole series of health events that that led me to this point well why don't you tell us a little bit about your story maybe start from uh the beginning of you know, your younger life and uh, just, you know, I'm sure you were a typical young lady, teenager going through life, just trying to enjoy life, but something happened to you. So explain that to us. Yeah. So 
you know, as a kid, I, I was always a bit of a picky eater, but it wasn't to the extent that it was worrisome or that it should be monitored. Um, I think as my life progressed on, control and restriction became a little bit more predominant. Um, then when I was in high school, my parents went through a really bad separation and that kind of spiraled things out of control where eating and controlling what I was eating was the only thing I could focus on in my life. And I ended up being hospitalized for severe anorexia nervosa. Um, this is kind of what has put me on my life's path and made me realize my life's purpose. So what came from a really dark time actually was my life's mission. So through this process, my parents were really involved. We started with family doctor because, you know, that's, that's where you go when you have a health issue or a mm -hmm. health concern. Um, I saw my family doctor for probably just under two years and she really could not help me. I do not discredit medical professionals in any way. Um, I do think they are brilliant, they are useful, but their education does not allow for these sorts of disorders to be addressed in their, what I like to say, scope of practice or what they've told me. Um, so after a couple of years, my family doctor discharged me from her practice. It was wow. damaging our our client practitioner relationship, therapeutic relationship, because I was not listening to her recommendations, which were Taylor needs to be eating this many calories a day. That's a fantastic recommendation. That's great information to know, but an eating disorder, it doesn't allow you to take that information and be like, Oh, no problem. I will, I will go ahead and do that. Um, so at this point I was down and to give context, I'm five foot five and I was down to 70 pounds. Oh my goodness. Strong weight. Yeah. You were blown away. I, I was, yeah, it, it was painful to walk. It was painful to move. Um, it was awful. So when I was discharged from her office, my parents were at a loss and okay, well, what's the next what's the next in line that can help in a medical sense with eating? So we went to a dietitian. Now, for those who don't know the difference between dietitian and nutritionist or holistic nutritionist, a dietitian is government regulated and they are regulated under a board. They are only allowed to do a certain, again, scope of practice. Um, so That's when I went to, to this That's good to know. That's really yeah. good information. Yeah. So I'm not regulated. Um, there are guidelines and laws that I obviously have to follow, but I do not get a, I don't want to say plan, but a layout of what I can and can't do from the government. Um. So I went to this dietitian and they had no, they had no clue how to address my situation. They'd never worked with somebody with disordered eating or an eating disorder at this level. Um, so they gave me a book with a meal plan. They said, go home and eat this. That is can not- I, Can I ask you a question right here? Yeah. Uh, everything that, that you've said so far that the doctors told you to do was, 
to eat. And, and the yeah. problem that you had is you didn't want to eat. Uh, that and, There and was that, something that created that problem. So was there more to it than just the eating side of things? Absolutely. It was, and like you just addressed, everybody was addressing my eating. Oh, you need to eat. This is, this is the problem. But there was no um, empathy or addressing the psychological and emotional side of what was going on. And you have to note that at this point, at this weight, I physically could not eat anymore. All of my, we have um, hormones and receptors called leptin and ghrelin, and those are what trigger our hunger cues. They tell us when we're full, when we're hungry, those had completely stopped. I was losing all signals in my body. I never felt hungry at this point. And we also which I learned in my later education on my own, there's refeeding syndrome. If a person at this weight just starts eating again, as if nothing had happened, their body actually goes into shock. There's a huge, huge problem with that. that and no one, no one had told me that. So when I was at this weight and I went home from this dietitian with this meal plan that I'm supposed to eat when I can't eat and there's potential of refeeding syndrome, that's extremely problematic. That could have put me in a worse position than I already was. Wow. Wow. So that's really scary when I think back on that. It's just lack of knowledge, I guess, mm -hmm. because I, I do not believe that this woman was doing it out of not caring, not being a good practitioner. It's just not what was in her scope of practice. Again, quote unquote. Um. So yeah, that didn't work out. We went to the next. Um, we actually went back to my family doctor saying, this is not working. We don't know what to do. She's getting worse and worse. And that's when I was referred to now a psychiatrist, which was not a psychologist. So for viewers that don't know the difference between psychiatrist and psychologist, a psychologist speaks about the mental, um, emotional impacts of what's going on. A psychiatrist gives you a prescription. You go in for five minutes. That's it. You take that prescription. There's no conversation. There's no questioning. Here's your medication. Try this one for four weeks. Come back if it's not working. So at this point, I was completely passed off by everyone. I felt as I got to the point where I was such a burden that let's just medicate her, see if that works. And it was still not addressing anything as to why I was no longer eating. Now, how old were you at this time? When I went to the psychiatrist, I was now 17. Okay. This started started aggressively when I was 14. Okay. So, so this early, was early teens. Early teens, yeah. So this was years. Did this um, uh, psychologist uh, or psychiatrist ever address any mental disorders because of some of the things maybe you were going through with your home life or anything like that? Or was that passed over as well? No, absolutely. They told me that I was depressed. They told me I had anxiety and they told me I had an eating disorder. But that, thank you. Thank you. You kind of already knew that, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, no kidding. I do. Yeah. Um, and then the answer was, here's this medication. So yet another pill thrown at you. 
Absolutely. At 17. At 17. So another Band-Aid put on you. Yep. Okay. And that I took, it was Prozac. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, but it was Prozac, the first medication that I was put on. And that was for depression and the eating disorder. It made me so unbelievably angry. I, I've never felt anger like that. And I knew I was like, this is not the solution. This is not what I'm going to do. Did it help you eat any better? No, it made me feel so sick. It made me angry, lethargic, all of worse, worse off. Wow. It was just, I was like, I remember laying in bed one night and I had been to the hospital a few days prior and they did in, I'm pretty sure EKG, but where they run scans on your heart. Mm -hmm. And I remember the doctor looking at me and saying, your heart is stopping. You, you will not make it another month. And I just, scary comment. it was, and I remember I was there alone and I remember going home and being like, how do I tell my family? Like, how do I tell my family that I might not wake up? And I knew that this was no longer a matter of somebody else needs to help me. It was, this is it. This is do or die. I, I need to take my life into my hands with my nutrition. What's going on with my psychological? Like, I have to bring myself out of this. No one is here to save me. So that was your defining moment. Yeah. Telling them, telling me that this is it. Okay, um, so that, now that you've come to that defining moment, um, what was the next step you took? Once you had that aha, um, what, what did you do next? So I started looking into depression and, you know, how, how people can get over depression on Google. There's honestly not really great answers. <laughs> it's medication. <laughs> um, so I just, I came across, um, valued living therapy and I've held this with me my entire life. And I took it in a context as what do I value? What is going to make me get out of bed and I, I still use this in my practice is finding that reason to keep going and I had been on a trip to Mexico when I was 15 16 when I was not as sick but I was not okay and it was the best time of my life I actually ate when I was on that trip like no problems I was so happy I I felt great and I remember laying in bed, 68 pounds, being like, I just have to get to Mexico. That's that's all I have to do and, and I'll be okay. And I that was my plan. That was my reason to keep going and my reason to keep living. Um, so this was in June, just after my birthday. June of 2013 and I moved October of 2013. Booked a one-way flight. I found an apartment. That was the end of story. I found a roommate and I left. Wow. That's a big step. Yeah. It was one of those moments when I knew I was not going to heal in the place that I was in anymore. I knew that I, I physically had to remove myself from mm -hmm. what was happening in this situation. 
So I got there and I was really scared. I, I had no one but myself, no family, no friends that I knew. And I was like, this is it. Like, I'm, I'm either going to live or I'm going to die here. Like, there's no question about it. So a month or two went by and I was starting to make friends and feel a little bit better. And I just became infatuated with all of the different foods that they had, all of the, the fruit, the flavors, how they just, everyone is cooking on the street. There's barbecues all the time. And little by little, I started wanting to explore those, those foods and the culture and be kind of a part of a community again. That's what really got me through to the point where I was healing was a sense of community and support and being heard and being listened to and felt like I was truly seen for myself rather than, oh, that's that girl with an eating disorder. That's that really skinny girl. And I started realizing that feeling connected and feeling these avenues of love and support it really started to open me to a new way of living. So now fast forward through all of that, I lived there for just under a year and I came home, didn't know what I wanted to do. Oh, can and I ask what, a quick question? Yeah. Prior to leaving there, did things start to change on your eating and you started putting on a little bit of weight? Did yeah. Start, yeah. <clears throat> Actually, yeah, that's a good, I should add that in there. So I just skipped by it. But yeah, while I was there, I went from 68 pounds to 110 pounds. Oh, that's awesome. And, and but you were eating healthy. Yes. Yeah. So I heard I you was, say fruits a lot. So you're eating these things that put weight on you that typically people use to take weight off of them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I was, I was really excited about cooking and like, making guacamoles and, you know, uh, tortillas and like tostadas and all of these things. I was really excited about, you know, putting these things together and making something for myself. How neat. And yeah, it was, I, I still have such a soft spot for Mexican food. But, well, that's but, one of my so, favorite foods too. My wife yeah. and I, we practically live there, but, uh, um, yeah. that, that's a neat, that's a neat transition though from what you've been going through, all the pills thrown at you, all the diets, the the, the government re required diet type plan that's supposed to help yeah. you gain weight, and yeah. none of those worked. And then you go off to this other country that they eat a different way, they use different foods, different spices, etc. And all of a sudden, you go from this sixty-eight pound young woman to a hundred and ten pound, which is a little more normal for your size. Yeah, you're, you're changing. So let's go on from there. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I thought that no, was kind of unique. Uh, that's, that's a great question because it's important to know as well. And, and one thing that I should add in there as well is, you know, eating these foods and having these healthy fats, these avocados, these fruits, um, meats. Again, I was starting to mentally feel clear. I, I honestly, I think back on the time from 14 to 17, and I really don't have a clear memory. It's fuzzy, foggy, 
And it's because I was so malnourished Mm -hmm. that my brain physically was not functioning at the capacity that it should. Right. So that's, I, I didn't know at the time, but I look back on that now. And that's why I preach that what you were eating and how you were eating, it is so crucial to how you think, how you feel, what is happening inside of you. Yeah. Um, so so would you say that uh, nutritional, the, the way our nutrition impacts our body is, is going to also impact our mental health? Absolutely, without question. And I think that's something that is still not fully understood today. It's, oh, I eat this because I need to eat, but there's no connection as to what what is going in my gut is actually Mm -hmm. also going to my brain. Because they do say your gut is your second brain. There's no mistake that your intestinal tract looks like a brain. Um, They're very, very connected. And it's also now being proven through the um, vagus nerve, all of these neurons travel up and down, back and forth. So, you know, when you feel anxious, why do you get butterflies in your stomach? That's because these neurons are firing off. It's all connected. And what you eat is going directly to your mind. Well, our cells have to talk to each other. That's what exactly. keeps our system's working. And if our cells are damaged in some way, uh, either malnourished or whatever, uh, they can't communicate and communication is the name of the, the game in the world of cells. So absolutely. Um, so th- now we're back home. You, you had a change in life, not, not only physically um, nutrition wise, mental capacity was starting to get better. Now how mm-hmm. did things progress from there? Yeah. And one of the reasons I left is because I was feeling better. I was ready to, you know, start my life again. And I decided I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and I'm going to go to university. But I had no idea what I wanted to do. I went home and I was like, I just, I, I want an education. So I went into open studies and I actually came across anthropology and archaeology and I was like, well, I love the history of Mexico. I loved the ancient ruins that I saw. So maybe I should study all of these things. Throughout my degree, I was always, always interested in Paleolithic diet. I was, whenever we studied a culture, I was like, oh, what did they eat? You know, what did they, what were they living off of? How did they thrive? How did they function? And it didn't click to me that, you know, I was interested in the science of food. Not until six years later, I've done my degree in archaeology and oh, <laughs> okay, we're not doing that. Um, yeah, so really nothing, nothing happened. I continued getting better and better throughout university. I made new friends, um, started looking into, you know, more spiritual aspects. I really love um, sound therapy. I would do a lot of sound baths. Um, I do every night listen to 10 minutes of alpha, gamma, beta waves, because I do think those frequencies impact brain function as well. I do research on it. It's still in research, but I notice a difference when I don't do it versus when I do. So that was something really important to me throughout university that I did. Um, I built a healthy relationship with exercise again through university. 
I found CrossFit, which, you know, is really intense, but it makes me feel really strong, really good. And I'm still doing that to this day. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it was, it was six years of really five, six years of really learning myself again. And, and to be clear, since that time at 17, I went on Prozac. I never took medication after that. Um, Congratulations. I don't, thank you. And I do tell people, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with needing medication to get through something temporarily. I don't think it's a long-term solution what Western society is making it to be. Um, so that's something that I really want people to know is, yes, it was really hard to find these things that made me feel good, but it was so worth it in the end because at least I know this is me doing this because I want to, not because a medication is just kind of numbing out everything else. Right. Yeah. And then I, over COVID, the pandemic, I was like, I just had this revolution because I was home cooking a lot. I was meal prepping every day and maintaining good mental health throughout the pandemic. I'm sure for everybody was very, very difficult. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I know I got into some really low points. I was just like, you know, when this might never end, what if I'm just in my house for the rest of my life? What am I doing? And I was like, man, I just, I love where I've come. I love nutrition. I love my story. And, and that's when I went into Institute of Holistic Nutrition, kind of full circle. Wow. And that's cool. Yeah. And I've, I've really kind of journeyed through, I graduated in, when was it? Last summer. So almost a year ago. And I've, found myself and what I want to do over the last year or so. And it's, it's mental health for me. I just, I'm like taking my, my hardship and my story and making sure that people know it's not one way. You don't have to heal one way. There are so many avenues that are actually far better off for you and will, will sustain health long-term. So with that said, you you went to the practitioners, and, and we all have, and, and we have to trust them that they're going to help us find our way through whatever it is that we're dealing with. And you didn't find that necessarily. I mean, you knew they were trying, you knew they were giving their best efforts, but you still <clears throat> found that you had to find what worked worked for Taylor. And Absolutely. so you, you went on that walkabout, as, as the Aussies would say. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, um, so what are some of the top recommendations that you have for transitioning into a more holistic way of living? If so I were for, to do that, which I do and I am, but what, what would you yeah. suggest? So for me, one thing that's really important that I tell people is you cannot do it all at one time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think when individuals want to transition or go into this new way of living it's really overwhelming and it's uh, where do I even start right um so my my things for me is you know look what you're buying when you're when you're shopping try to stay as local and to the source as you can I mean I know 
that farmers markets or organic food, I get this argument all the time that, oh, it's more expensive. I don't have the money for that. But then, you know, a lot of these people are getting a Starbucks every day or, you know, going out for dinners every other day. And it's like, it really is. And it's hard to hear its priorities because, you know, I live in Toronto. I'm on my own out here. I have a number of bills just like everybody else, but making sure that I'm buying organic when I can and locally when I can, it's a priority for me because it does make me feel better. It does make the difference. One of the biggest toxins that enters our system, which gives our body a sense of overload is from pesticide use. And that stays, that stays with us. So that's my number one place to start. Okay. Um, Good advice. Yeah. Thank you. And looking, looking what you're buying in the home, um, cleaning products, huge one. There are so many lines now that are green that don't use harm, harmful, harsh chemicals. One that I use, which I don't know if it would be available to the U.S., but I, it might be, is called Alp Attitude. Um, so Attitude is a really, really affordable, cheap brand line, and it's great. Great products. I use them all the time. I order them off Amazon. Again, Amazon Canada, so I don't know. But there are so many that wow. it's it's so, easy to find. So it's really, uh, again, goes back to education, <clears throat> yeah. educating ourselves on not only the foods that we're putting in our body and the nutrients, but also the things we put on our body as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, because. Go ahead. Oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, I was just going to say, we do have a thing which I kind of touched on just a minute ago. Uh, each our bodies have a limit it's a toxic limit load mm -hmm. and how it's been explained to me is we're like a barrel and you keep adding these harmful things harmful things adding 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 and it's eventually going to overflow right. and this is when you see you know individuals with extreme chemical sensitivity allergies skin flare-ups these are all indications of toxic overload and it's because of environment and what we're putting in our body Exactly. Um, I, I agree with you 100% on, on your assessment of all that. So, you know, we've heard a lot over our lifetime of, of supplemental, uh, natural supplements, you know, people have used antioxidants and things like that, you know, when those that kind of came about. What are your um, maybe top recommendations in that regard to like natural supplements that you would utilize on a daily basis that could help our bodies to be better vessels that we have. Yeah, absolutely. There are a few that I take every day, which I recommend everyone do so. Um, so I take magnesium glycinate every day. It really helps with the body leveling out and adapting to mood and stressors. Um, and it's calming, it has a calming effect as well. So I do take that. Um, another one is zinc. I take every day. Zinc is really important for immunity, cell function, health, um, and especially men. It's more important for men as well. It's for reproductive purposes. Um, so I recommend that to everybody. 
Omega threes, mm -hmm. omega three fatty oils for brain health. This one is specifically important because in today's diet or our standard American diet, it's very high in omega sixes. We need that proper omega three to omega six ratio. When omega six is too high, this is when we see oxidative damage and inflammation happening in the body. This right. is really hard on cell function, which I'm sure you're, you know, you're nodding. So, <laughs> um, that's really important. And so balancing that out and again, omega-3 fatty acids, your brain basically is just a big lump of fats and protein. Right. So that's <laughs> all it told is. told me that numerous times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you have to feed that fat chunk like properly, um, so those are really important. What is the, so I said magnesium glycinate, zinc, omegas. And I do, I recently started taking a probiotic um, every day just so that I'm feeding my brain function and I'm feeding my gut with healthy bacteria. Um, I do recommend there's different levels. People get really confused about probiotics because you know there's 15 billion CFUs or 30 billion and it's always where do I start which one do I get because there are so many if you are somebody that has never taken a probiotic start at 30 billion you'll see um on the on the bottle it will say 30 billion that's a really good one it's a low dose it's not going to irritate the stomach as you get more comfortable to that bacteria and that healthy bacteria growth you can keep going up and up the mm -hmm. 150 billion is a good one. I, I take that, but I'm also, what do you say? Acclimatized or climate? I'm, I'm adapted to that level. Right. right. Um, and this also presents, prevents the overgrowth of candida, which is a yeast. Very, very common. Almost every person in today's day and age has it because of the sugar use in our modern food. Yeah. And, and even with us not taking sugar, you know, adding sugar to our whatever we're eating, there's still sugar in these pro these products. Um, yeah, I absolutely. Out, yeah. I have a friend, a nurse friend that uh, she calls sugar uh, America's cocaine. And she's always it says, is. You know, cut it out because you're just feeding your your addiction. Um, you know, yeah. so the good news is I wrote down your list and I take all those already. In fact, I take. My I take a few other things too. I take D3 and yeah. alpha, lo, lo, alpha, how do you Linoleic say Linoleic acid. There you go. I take that one as well. <laughs> say that again for our, for our listeners. Alpha linoleic acid or ALA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good, I take a few other things too. There's some uh, herbal supplements that I take, but. <laughs> yeah. I, and you know, I've, over time I've learned, um, but I was a lucky guy. My doctor, after I had my stroke, um, and my doctor, you know, initially I had to, to get started on different medicines to bring down blood pressure and sugar and all this stuff that was out of whack because of my stroke. Before that, mm -hmm. they weren't out of whack. But he was also a very smart man, and he didn't want me on that stuff for long, and he told me that. And mm -hmm. so along the way, he started adding some of these um, supplements that you mentioned and several others that I was on. And 
I no longer take medications after many years of having to go through all that. Um, and I'm glad to say that, but again, it was became a, a research project for me as well, like it did for you. Um, how, is, how is North America culture dramatically shifted away from holistic living? Yes, I and I, I left, love to talk about this one as well. I think it's a huge problem, especially in, you know, big cities where I'm at. I notice a huge difference between Calgary and living in Toronto. And it's just based on size, fast paced culture. The, I, I do see here, it's, it's very easy to shift away from that because of I have to get so many things done in a day. I don't have time for myself. I don't have um, the effort to do that. It's just, it's very sad when people tell me um, I don't have time because of my lifestyle here. And, and we're, we're building that. We're, we're creating that life here, especially in Toronto. It's that rat race, fast paced. I don't need to eat, sleep, do anything other than work create productivity and it's scary it's it's scary to watch well, yeah that's that's an interesting and you're 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 not quite 30 yet if i remember correctly um two more years two, two more, more years, years. <laughs> so you're still young um but you know i grew up i've lived through that life and i'm on a different side of it and and quite honestly i've changed my pace I, after the stroke i i was forced to do that but i also mentally had to learn to change my pace after that stroke yeah. because I still wanted to get back into that rat race, as you called it. And I've been more focused on all aspects of my life, not just that work, go to work, come home, go to work, come home. I I realized that I was really out of balance. And so yeah. if, there's, if there's anything I could leave on here as part of our conversation is, and you brought it up, and I'm glad to hear you say that is, We've got to learn to have that balance, whether it's eating balance, work-life yeah. balance, family balance, or our bodies do give out and they crash at some point. And so what good is all that stuff that we're doing if we can't actually finish the the purpose maybe we have in life? So Absolutely. I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, what are some common illnesses or diseases that can fully be or prevented using holistic methods of uh, approaches and nutrition. Yeah. So there's actually a lot. And I, I, I might not now say fully because, you know, there's always the, the case of genetics or, but genetics is a very small part. A lot, a lot of illnesses can be prevented by just caring about your nutrition and your well-being. Um, type two diabetes, huge one. It's a huge, huge problem um, in modern society. And that's, that's blood sugar. That's, you know, and I say type two, type one, very different. Um, but this is, this can be reduced and prevented with holistic health and well-being. A lot of um, anxiety, depression. I work with clients with coming to me with these symptoms, doing the same thing as me. I don't want to be on medication. What can I do? A lot of these things are the brain not being nourished and the brain not receiving what it needs in order to function 
properly. So these symptoms can be dramatically, if not fully eradicated with proper health and lifestyle. Um, other ones, there's, there's evidence of um, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, heart disease. All of these things are nutrition based and are very, very prominent with poor diet. Um, so yeah, those are just a few. That, that's that's some good information, Taylor. So uh, I think maybe my last question today is going to be, where do you see the future of holistic health going? I think we're slowly getting there, but I do think it is going to be more prominent and more important in people's lives going forward. I, I see a bit of a shift after the pandemic. I think a lot of people realized that when things really go sideways, you have yourself to rely on. You know, there was a lot of people needing medical support. It wasn't available. Right. I, I don't know about in the US, here in Canada, it, you could not go to the doctor for nearly a year unless it was you were actually needing a hospital bed, a severe medical issue. So I think a lot of people realized, you know, I am responsible for my health. I'm responsible for maintaining that. And if this were to happen again and I need support, I, they don't want to be in that position where they're unhealthy or needing outside outside help, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, So I think it's a shift towards taking responsibility. Um, I know for myself, I would feel much better being my doctor to myself, because I know what I'm feeling. I know what's going on. And it's a lot easier to gauge that if I have the education and the knowledge behind it, rather than going to somebody who doesn't know me, doesn't know what I'm feeling. It's just an explanation and their best guess as to these are the symptoms. This is probably what's happening. You probably haven't been to a a Western doctor in a bit based on our conversations. And I'm just assuming that, but you know, I still go go in for checkups and things like that. And you know, some of the things that have really changed over my tenure of life Back in the day, they used to actually put their hands on you and they would touch and poke and feel and, and you know, do some serious uh, inter- intervention kind of things. Now it's all conversation. Um, yeah. They still, they'll listen to your heart. They'll listen to you mm-hmm. breathe. But, you know, they don't even do prostate exams like they used to. Now it's just blood work. And I have yeah. doctor friends that are old school doctors that uh, one just recently was asking me about that. And I said, no, they don't, they don't do that. And he goes, you cannot, you cannot make a judgment about that particular organ through a blood test totally. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, it's changed so drastically. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the changes have come from a, a source that has nothing to do with our health and well-being, And that's called insurance, but that's just my opinion in this conversation, but, um, Taylor, I'm an, I am so impressed with you and, and, you know, I know that your journey has been a tough one and, um, but, you know, number one, you're a strong woman and boy, you're empowered. Uh, you took it 
upon yourself at, at such an early age to <clears throat> just say, Chuck, this, I'm going to find out on my own. And you. You know, taking that big step just to go to Mexico at the age you were, and and that's huge. Uh, I don't know that I would have made that kind of, in, in a normal setting, much less because my health was uh, out of whack, but you you did that. And look at, look at the person you've become because you've been willing to get up every time you got knocked down and you uh, researched, you went into one field, but which kind of led you into another field because of your love of history. And that took you into another thought process. So, you know, I see you as, as a thought person, as someone that really sits and, and concentrates and uses that protein mass that you were talking about a minute ago called our brain um, to not only better yourself, but to bring purpose to our world and open up our world to some new thought processes that worked. Obviously, they worked. You're, you're standing here today. At one point, you're 68 pounds. You're hanging on for dear life. Your, your mental acuity was really um, at its lowest, probably. Your emotional well-being was at its lowest. Mm -hmm. You weren't getting answers. I know you had support from family and friends, but sometimes that's just not enough. Uh, yeah. And and so I I really give you big kudos for what you um, what you went through and learned and came out the other side now with even a bigger purpose in life. So congratulations to you, Taylor. And I'm anxious to put this up on my podcast and and hopefully that people will come and hear this and that young women and even men you know, young guys that deal with these these uh, kinds of issues. And something that we kind of didn't hit on, I want to make sure that people know, um, there's three types of, or common types of eating disorders. Is that correct? Can you, yes. can you tell us those three again? Yeah, so the most common being, oh, maybe I'm going to get it wrong. I don't know. I think it's bulimia, um, but anorexia and then binge purge eating disorder. That's that's what my findings uh <laughs> And uh, according to the National Eating Disorder Association, I didn't even know there was one. An yes. <laughs> an eating disorder is a mental condition that affects person's eating behaviors, thoughts, and emotions. Would you agree with that? that yes, statement? absolutely. Okay. Um, so, you know, in our conversation, I'm always thinking about ways that I can add value back to you. And you've got a huge story. Huge story. So here's here's a potential title for a book for you. Why I lost my love for food and then found it. I love that. I Why got I lost my love for food <laughs> and then found it. So I love I, I really uh encourage you to start pondering on that. Um so before we end our our podcast today, tell us tell our uh, listeners uh, how to reach you, what's your website, what's your email, uh, maybe say and spell your name for us so we can have that. And I'll also have that information on my my uh, podcast so people can see that when they when they pull this up. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll start by saying that I do work internationally. 
Um, so I'm based in Canada, but that does not mean I don't see clients from all over the world. I am based solely online right now. Um, yeah, my, my website name is, or my company name is Unalom Nutrition. Unalom is a Buddhist symbol for the path to enlightenment, because that's what I like to say I bring my clients through is from a really dark place to a place of enlightenment. So, so spell that, that for spell that for our listeners. Yeah, so that's spelled U N A L O M E, and then nutrition. So N U T R I T I O N. So Unalom Nutrition. And what's the uh, the the call letters at the end? Uh, is it com or C A because it is Canadian, so it's www unalomenutrition.ca. Okay, great. And how yeah. can they reach you through an email? Yeah, so my email is taylor at unalomenutrition.ca because again, Canadian. <laughs> okay. And would you like to leave a phone number if you would, if anyone would like yes. to? Yes. Yeah, I have my business line. Um, it is 647, it's the area code, 484 2628. And I do see both men and women as well. I see up to uh, 10 years old and up. Okay. Listen, this has been so enlightening for me. And uh, I, you are such a delight. I, I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the past couple of months and having conversations with you about your life's journey and and where it's brought you to today. And I wish you such success in your practice and uh, the direction that it's going. Uh, I find you very fascinating. And I'm Thank sure that people that listen to this will find uh, your story to be uh, encouraging. And I hope that they reach out to you, not only to get to know you as a person, but also as a practitioner of the holistic mm -hmm. nutrition. Um, we're going to sign off now, but don't go anywhere, okay? No problem. <laughs> Folks, thank you for listening today to our uh, our podcast. Uh, this this has been enlightening for me to have Taylor with us, but reach out to Taylor if you know someone that's got issues uh, with eating disorders or um, just reach out to her to get to know her because I have found her to be such a delightful young woman. You guys have a great day and, and to our next uh, session, we'll be back in a week. Have a great day.